It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to discuss the markets and the week's trade is Sue Martin with Ag and Investments from Webster City, Iowa. Sue, we thank you for joining us here. And as we take a look here at our closing ag markets, from the bull that we started at, we started, we ended a little weaker here on Friday, especially in the grains. What did you see on the week's trade? Well, the wheat market, of course, had about a 35-cent rally in uh, Chicago wheat, and KC was ever comparable of that. And, yes, that's a big week, but um, we took out uh, yesterday's highs by a half a cent and um, in the overnight session and then gave up some ground. Part of that is also being driven by, one, the markets had a big week. There's talk of some moisture, uh, not so much in the hard red winter wheat areas. They still remain fairly dry. But talking of the storm, the snowstorm that's to come across Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, into Minnesota, but also into the dry areas of Saskatchewan and Manitoba, those um, is I think that storm uh, kind of putting the feeling like we're starting to see maybe an end to the drought in those areas in the northern plains, and that brings uh, the market down in the Minneapolis wheat down 13, 14 cents today. And then, of course, helped give some uh, end-of-the-week liquidation in the other two commodities. And as we continue to look at this, if those places do get the necessary moisture, will those wheat factors be possible to able to make up the difference from what we may lose in the uh, central U.S. wheat belt there with uh, southwest Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas? No, not at all. Um, You've got Kansas, your largest national uh, wheat producer, hard red winter wheat producer. And one other thing that's kind of happening, we look at acres in K- or, uh, Minneapolis wheat, and, you know, the uh, crop insurance uh, loan price is 631 and or insurance price. And so when you look at that guarantee, it seems like it entices the thought of putting some uh, crops into Minneapolis wheat. If things don't go quite right, you can use the straw for feed and bedding, what have you. So it might uh, feed another purpose because certainly um, feed is at a premium now, hay especially, and uh, your other crops that go towards feed. It's really, uh, we're seeing a lot of demand. You get into the southern plains and it's just, it's very hard to get very much uh, hay around and you're paying a high price for them. Uh, per bale. So I think that um, when we look at the KC wheat, it's kind of in a category of its own. Uh, Chicago wheat also, by the way, uh, had a good week because of the fact that not only is the KC uh, pulling it up, but you've also got the situation where you've got all this flooding in the, um, the eastern Corn Belt and into the south, and that's soft red wheat country. And so almost too much for the soft red winter wheat, uh, you know, too much moisture there. So, and wheat's starting to awaken. It's starting to come out of dormancy. So we'll see as we go on now in another month here in April, we'll start getting our weekly crop condition ratings rather as opposed to month or state by state on a monthly basis. Then in a technical perspective, before the interview we were discussing, uh, but really corn and wheat, March has been an interesting month in years past anyway from a technical perspective. Do you see a similar pattern lining up again this year on the technical side of these charts that could help give some hope back to producers? Well, certainly do. Um, The one thing that we want to make note of, and we had showed that in our website to some subscribers, um, we took the December 2017 contract 
and showed it on the chart when the December 16 contract expired. And you had a big gap up in price, and the market kind of chattered, started to move down a little bit, and then moved on up into March 2nd. From there, that year, uh, in 17, we dropped off through the month of March and then struck a low in the first few trading days of April. Well, ironically, this year's December 2018 chart looks almost identical to that of last year's. And so here we are today, and, of course, the markets are chattering on the 2nd of, of March. A lot of times you will get a little chatter at this time, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, because certainly uh, we do see a longer-term basis on corn that we just don't think we're anywhere as close to our highs. And then how can producers, what do they need to be aware of right now to be able to possibly take advantage of some of these moves if they were to happen? Well, first off, you know, in the wheat, we, we realize that based on KC wheat, for example, and it's the same in Chicago, we're at a major wave three. And a wave four basis uh, July KC would be up around 657. That would be taking out last year's highs, and you would assume that we should do that. Um, You know, it seems that the analytical uh, portion of uh, our industry is still caught up in all the supply talk. But they're missing the boat. There's there's, uh, looking at demand and the changes that we're seeing. And, And look at weather, how chaotic it's been around the world. I mean, we have seen weather just absolutely nuts here this year so far. And I've got to say, I think that when we look at this weather, um, you know, look at Naples, Italy, blanketed with snow in the past week, and they had heavy rains that turned into snow because they had extremely cold Siberian temperatures. And that hasn't happened in 50 years. Venice, Milan, Genoa, and Florence and Pisa all had snow. Then you have, so that creates a problem for their livestock that might be at risk because they're not used to this, and it also may make animals that are pregnant miscarry. So that's going to create an issue there, not to mention some farmers are worried about losing some of their crops. Then you look in the U.S. and you've got Tahoe running with uh, three to five feet of snow in the mountain passes here this week and cold temperatures invading parts of California that caused freezing temps on uh, almond blossoms and concerns for some crops. And then you've got flooding, major flooding across the Delta and the South where there once was drought, now looking like those drought areas are shrinking. That's Sue Martin with Ag and Investments, Webster City, Iowa, joining us for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Still to come up, we've got cattle to discuss more South American weather and politics, especially on that bean market. So stay tuned here to the Rural Radio. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Clay Patton here on the Rural Radio Network. Joining us today is Sue Martin, Ag and Investment, Webster City, Iowa. And in our last discussion, we talked about the corn and the wheat market, especially seeing some technical indicators coming up here in March that are lining up very close with last year and other previous year patterns. As well, we're just seeing a lot of weather and different things happening in those markets. So, Overall, a good week here, a good bullish week for the grains, but we'll see what happens as we continue in the future. And, Sue, as we continue now, let's move over to the soybeans. We haven't touched on them yet. Uh, over, technically speaking, before the interview, we were talking about looks like they're coming up into a new channel. Well, they are. Um, actually, if you take the May contract of this year and take and go back and look at it since it first started to come on the board, uh, you take a, a trend line and draw it across all the highs, it perfectly parallels with the lows of uh, last June 23rd and the low we had in January. Now, that said, 
um, we also today then got back to the top side of that channel, right smack on the uh, trend line, and then we slipped off of it. So a perfect channel line. We've had a nice move in soybeans. Um, I tend to think that uh, we've noticed here today uh, processors are bidding pretty aggressively for beans, which tells us that basically farmers are, might be almost sold out of beans. And then you've got uh, the demand for soy meal and expectations that uh, Argentina's, uh, you know, number one exporter of soy meal in the world, and they're going to end up getting beans from uh, Paraguay, and we think they'll hold their beans that farmers sell, which of uh, they were good sellers the last two days. They sold about 350,000 metric tons both uh, Thursday and Wednesday, and uh, Brazilian farmers sold about a million metric tons on Thursday. So they are moving some beans down there, but Argentina is thought that they may not export many of their soybeans. They'll keep them with the thought that they're going to crush them and try to still send the meal out the door. Still, we're seeing good meal demand come at the U.S. product, and um, we've noticed that crushers in the West are starting to send their meal out towards the eastern rail because the uh, premiums it's bringing in over a dollar a ton um, is certainly much better than they can get even in their own area. And then when we talk politics in the soybean market, President Trump coming out with these potential tariffs on steel and aluminum, and then, of course, everybody looks at China, a large steel and aluminum exporter, and they look back at the U.S., really, a lot of folks are saying soybeans, that's the one spot where China could hit and hit hard. What's your take on the whole situation? I don't see it that way, and I don't agree. Uh, you've got China looking at record production in pork and poultry, so protein is needed there. So with concerns over weather and what they'll be able to get out of South America, I think China's going to remain a good buyer. In fact, this morning there was talk that they had bought uh, two cargoes of soybeans out of the East Coast, mainly because they were pretty well tapped out in the Pacific Northwest and the Gulf. So they went to the East Coast to see if they could get some beans there. And that's for April-May shipment. But the one thing we got to keep in mind, when they talk about this, you know, the rhetoric, the news media, sometimes they kind of push things a little bit. But um, when you talk about the um, uh, tariffs that President Trump has imposed, first off, 10% on aluminum, is that really very high? And 25% on steel? You know, everybody thinks China's the big dog in town, but I got to tell you, China is not even one of our top 10 exporters of steel to the U.S. And um, we note that Canada comes in as number one, which, by the way, here we are in NAFTA, but uh, they accounted for 56% of our steel that we took in between 2013 and 16. Russia was 8% and United Arab 7%. So, you know, I think when we look at that, even Brazil, um, there's sales to the U.S. was right around, I want to say, um, 13% during 2017, and Canada was even 16% in 2017, and that was as of September of 17, so we don't even have the last quarter in that. So I think that um, when we look at this, even the Wall Street Journal carried an article today kind of debunking what some of the news media wanted to spread as fear that China would retaliate by stepping back on, on exports of U.S. soybeans, and I don't see that at all. Um, I think we continue to see the weather as an issue in Argentina, and uh, the key will be, because of late, we're hearing the yields coming out of Brazil 
really aren't as good as they originally, the early ones were, and everybody was hyping up their yield estimates on expectations uh, that that was going to continue, and that may not be totally the case. So weather remains key, um, but, you know, this um, uh, tariff managed to give the stock market a chatter or maybe another further break, uh, with the Dow being down here today, 231 points right now as I speak. Well, you know, my take on this is a little different than everybody else's. Um, I tend to think that this stock market had reached way force, was way overdone, um, you know, all-time, all-time record highs. And China's been an, a good investor in our stock market and our currency over the years. That again, Sue Martin joining us here today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Sue with Ag and Investment, Webster City, Iowa. Sue, we thank you for joining us here. We've covered a broad range of topics. Find more at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.